All right, welcome back to another episode of the Force Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. Uh, today, I am really, really, really super excited to get the chance to talk to a uh, seven-time uh, D2 national champion, six-time runner-up, uh, Highland Games thrower extraordinaire, cancer-ass kicker, Adrian Blewett-Wilson. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that this conversation is actually <laughs> happening. Because when I told my wife, she's like, isn't that the person that like you approached that one time at a meet in Akron when you were a college student? And I was like, yeah, I was so nervous. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, oh, you're, you're, I, hope I'm a, I hope I'm approachable. <laughs> no, you're very approachable. I don't know. Do you remember that meet? When I the, do remember that. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so before that, Adrian, why don't you, you know, for those who don't know, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into throwing in high school? And how you made the decision to go to Ashland University? Uh, well, uh, I grew up um, in Northeast Ohio, and I, I had access to every type of sport I wanted to do, but uh, I kind of just followed my sister did. And so when she played golf, I played golf. When she played softball, I played softball. And then it also actually transitioned into middle school when she started doing um, track and field, mostly the field part, and she threw, so I threw. And so that started in seventh grade. Um, When I graduated high school, I actually went to Ashland University, D2 school in Ohio, and um, just fell in love with the sport. I I loved it in high school because it was fun, and I was kind of good at it. But once I got to college and actually started training, and, and the real kind of training, the real programming, having that team atmosphere, and then getting to a level of, of competitiveness that I didn't know I was capable of um, was, was really exciting. So I continued on to um, be a 13-time All-American and D2 and um, went on to, to realize my dream as, as a Team USA member. So I, I always wanted to go to the trials and win a spot on the hardest team in the world, and that's to the Olympics. And unfortunately, never quite made there. Um, I did make one U.S. team uh, as an under-23 team, and I got to compete internationally in Texas. <laughs> so it wasn't quite the experience I was hoping for, but I was just I was thrilled to be on the team. And, um, yeah, just unfortunate health issues, and, you know, everybody has their ups and downs. My, my, my down was pretty rough. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the the training for shot put led me to the Highland Games. The Highland Games led me to travel. Um, travel led me to you know all sorts of experiences that I can thank my sister for getting me involved in seventh grade. <laughs> so when you started throwing in seventh grade, when did you like realize that wow, like I can be really good at this. Like I can go to college and someone might you know offer me a scholarship to throw a shot put in a discus. No clue in seventh grade. No clue in eighth grade. Just kind of had fun, ninth, tenth, and then oh, by eleventh grade, I was, I was. Well, my sister was finally out of school too, so I wasn't really competing against her. But um, by eleventh grade, and then definitely by my senior year, uh, I realized I had some potential and just really enjoyed the sport. It, it became a priority when, in the past, it was just something I did during the school year. And softball was a little bit more important. Golf was a little bit more important. Uh, things just shifted gears and. Then also, like, senior year was, was kind of rough, too. Right before my senior year, I lost my dad. And that just kind of put another speed bump in, in my normal plan, the direction of going away to college and, you know, competing. I didn't even know what I wanted to do then. But um, I, I was very fortunate that I fell in the right hands at, uh, with, under Jed Logan and Bill Gallagher at Ashland University. And, gosh, I, I don't know where I'd be without them. So what, what was it about, did you visit, like, was it a conversation that you had with Judd? Did he watch, did he come to a high school meet and say, hey, by the way, you need to come join me? Like, how, how Yes, actually he did. Um, he, actually, I didn't know much about Ashland University at all in, in school. Um, my high school coach, Denise Gorski, mentioned it because she had pushed other athletes to go look at, look at it. She knew that of Judd's reputation and just right. the program. Um, and Judd had come up to, I believe it was a, a district or regional meet to watch me throw and this is late in the season. I still hadn't decided where I wanted to go to school. And this is really bad for a senior because most, most colleges have already made their deals. Um, scholarships have been um, presented. Uh, but again, I was, I was in a funky place because I didn't know if I wanted to leave my mom. And um, 
I really didn't know what I wanted to do, even what kind of degree I wanted to go to get into. I just knew I liked throwing and it was fun. <laughs> so Judd did come up to a, a district or region, I can't remember which one, and um, said, you should come down to Ashland for a visit. And I said, all right, let's go. So my mom and I went and just, it, it blew me away how at home I felt right away. It was, it was only about 100 miles from, from Boardman, so it was pretty close. And, you know, and uh, I met some of the other athletes, super nice and really welcoming. And, and uh, of course, the food service was amazing. So <laughs> uh, I just remember getting in the car with my mom afterwards and we're just looking at each other like, this was a nice visit. I, I really like it here. And, and it just was, was comforting to know that my mom felt the same way that it's just, she would be comfortable with me being that far away or that close, you know, to go away to school. And uh, my mind was made up that I wanted to go to Ashland. So you show up at Ashland that August. Oh gosh. And uh, right. And like, and then, you know, I just kind of talked a little bit about like what fall conditioning was and what like the transition. So you, you're kind of like, eh, I'm kind of throwing in high school. I'm kind of good. I'm going to go to Ashland. Like, did you know what you were getting into? Like, was that? Oh, did you know, a huge wake up call when right. I got to Ashland. Right. Uh, the first, I think it was the week and a half or two weeks leading up to, or the first couple weeks of school, right. we weren't required to train. And so it was right. all on our own. And sure. these workouts were provided for us if we wanted to go with other athletes and kind of yeah. deal. Um, and I remember just showing up, yeah. walking in there, just ready to do whatever. And, and of course, I mean, all the other athletes were, were really welcoming and, and showed me how to do things properly. And sure enough, it was not the training I was used to. My sure. three sets of 10 and the leg extension, three sets right. of no, it was nothing like that. And uh, man, it was just, it was fun right. because I was trying something new and it was a different type of training. I, and I was really getting to know my, my teammates right. and that was really important too. Mm -hmm. But it was so embarrassing having to ask your new roommate to do your own hair for you the next day. Cause you couldn't raise your arms, you know, and, and it was just, uh, that was fun. <laughs> and it just was a, a very eye opening and a huge step of, of growth for me that knowing that, I didn't know anything. I was, I was clueless. Um, and, but I, I was also a sponge. I wanted to take it all in and I wanted to be sore. I wanted to, you know, earn the right to get stronger by doing the work. So it was cool. <laughs> so that first semester you're kind of transitioning and, and it's all new to you. Talk about like how you made, like, as far as like a, a mindset switch, maybe like, so you know, showing up at high school meets, and yeah, maybe I'll throw a shot, put in discus far today, but now you're at Ashland, right? It's, you know, perennial powerhouse, Olympians churned out every year, or every, you know, four years. So <laughs> how, how do you, right? Well, five years now, right? So how do you, so how, right? yeah, right now this time, like, how, how did you approach, like, your, your, that first season? Like, because you were a really, you were a great thrower in high school, and now you're coming into Ashland, and maybe you're not, the top person anymore maybe you're like second or third on the team like how at that point, um well fortunately for me the decision was made for me to redshirt my first year and sure. that was a, a really smart move on coach logan's part just because i really didn't know anything i was 100 i don't know if it was 140 pounds you know or 100 well i don't remember i mean i was light and sure. small and not strong but i moved well and he wanted to, to continue me with my fast feet and the way that i move but I clearly needed some time on the way. Um, and at that point, Jackie Jessling, which Jackie Jessling uh, was from Menor, Ohio. And she and I were unspoken rivals in high school that we just saw each other at the big meets and we would be neck and neck here and there. But she had also had some experience throwing hammer at um, Judd's camps. And so she was kind of, kind of groomed to be a little bit more of a hammer thrower, but with really nice um, shop and discus backups behind her. And so she was competing her freshman year as a true freshman and I was redshirted. So it was kind of nice to have that little bit of a, a buffer knowing that, all right, this is my building year. I'm going to do my best, but clearly I, I need some work to, to, to get where I need to be. Um, so that redshirt was really helpful for me uh, to kind of develop that mindset because I was not prepared mentally to compete at that level. Sure. Um, D2 has become so competitive in the last couple of years, you know, really comparable to, to what, you know, D1 th throwers are throwing um, and runners as well. But just 
I think our year, when we started really getting into it, um, our, our little class, I guess you would say, um, was a big turning point for D2. And it really showed athletes that they don't always have to go D1 to be successful because we had a, we had a D1 schedule going to a D2 school. I mean, we were going to Ohio State. We were going to Akron and Kent all the time because they were close. And fortunately in Ohio, the weather is not so great. So we have a lot of great indoor facilities. Right. And so it was, an, um, you know, some athletes were, were concerned about being T2, but, you know, we really had a, a monster schedule. We competed against the best because, you know, we were actually sometimes the best athletes there. Right. And it was kind of fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I got to watch my upperclassmen like Jake Brooks and, you know, uh, TJ Kanowski and, you know, Steph Curry, Megan Montoni. I mean, all, all of our our athletes that were, you know, my upperclassmen, I watched what they did, how they trained in the weight room and how, you know, even though it was the men's and, and women's team training together, I mean, it was just a team. And that was unlike my high school experience. Um, the way that they trained in groups and, you know, kind of fed off each other, but didn't take anything away from anybody. You know, it just, it was a, just an incredible environment that I took all in again, as a sponge, my freshman year, just watch and learn, watch and learn, you know, ask questions. I probably didn't ask enough questions growing, you know, early on. And, you know, I, I really wish I had asked more questions because one was just like wide eye, just, Right. Just watch and, and write down your training book. Just write everything you did, you know. And um, I certainly learned a lot, but, you know, I, I'm, I know I probably could have asked more questions for sure. <laughs> was there anybody in particular, like one of your teammates, that stands out the most? I was like, you know, Adrian, this is how we do things here. Like, or, um, you know, this is how you write in your training journal. This is how, you know, we prepare for meets. This is how we, you know, carry ourselves on campus. Was there somebody that you had that was, you know, kind of helped you in, in those regards? It was all, I was all helped um, mostly by, by Judd because he was also training as well. And so right. for him to train alongside of us and writing down his training log, seeing that he would, he would kind of pass on to us. Okay. So how'd that one feel? You know, do you feel that's in this range or we, we could um, get a little bit more specific in our feedback with our training logs? I mean, sometimes they got a little detail, but most of the time it was just, here is, you know, the workout, here are the distances, you know, throughout the top one, the, the bottom one, this is your range. And, and um, he taught us how to kind of analyze our own workouts and compare. But um, as far as, you know, some of the other athletes, Rich Ohm, uh, he was, he's a very intelligent individual. So he put a different spin on, on the training aspect and explained things in a more scientific way. And, you know, what the studies say and, um, Again, I, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about this. I just came in a little, just through throw stuff. <laughs> That's not the case. Um, like with Jake Brooks, I mean, he was just, he was the intensity. So anytime I needed to figure out how to step it up, you know, I mean, he was, you know, the ammonia salts, the, in the weight room and just like, that was definitely an eye-opening experience for me because I was not exposed to that at all before college. Um, and just to see some of the athletes, you know, move some weight in the weight room. It was, it was pretty intimidating at first, but, you know, I started getting a little better myself. Um, and, you know, we all kind of ran around together. So we always had these good habits of making sure we always ate together and, hey, we're going to do that, like a, a team hangout, watch a movie thing. And, and I really don't think that we got in a lot of trouble. You know, so we're pretty, pretty tame, <laughs> at least I was. And uh, so just... Again, it was just that environment that we were all, you know, a part of that I don't, I don't know if anybody felt like an, a leader or an outcast, you know, just we were all there together to support each other. So it's, um, it's just my perspective. Maybe they, some of the other athletes say, well, I don't know about that, Adrian, but then that's, what, that's how I felt it was, that everybody had their own little strength that they contributed so when, so, so you're on campus, like, so you're not to give away your age. So would that have been like the 99, 2000? Like, was that your? It was, your um, I graduated high school in, in 98. So um, that summer, the fall of 98, 99 was my freshman year, my graduate so, freshman year. So you're, you're on campus and you're training and Jackie's there and Rich is there and you just listed off the who's who. But you're training with a, an Olympic thrower at the same time. Like what, like, did you realize like, Cool no, <laughs> I can say no. 
that's that's cool. Oh, he's, right. an, he's a, at that point a three-time Olympian. Right. Man, that's really neat. Ah, and I didn't realize how how heavy that is to have that title. You know that right. those accolades behind your name, like that's always going to be there. Right. Three-time Olympian. Three-time Olympian. Yeah. Now it's a four-time Olympian. Always going to be there. Right. Um, you know, behind my name is Olympic hopeful. Well, there it is. No, it's, it's, it's there, but it doesn't have that effect. You know, Jackie, U.S. Olympian, boom, always going to be there. Uh, so going through the training, going through those four-year cycles, going through those eight-year cycles that, you know, I dedicated a lot of my life to growing a little ball. And for sure, you know, knowing now what that, that little 3X, 4X behind his name, you know, that, I understand. I, I don't quite get the whole picture because that's his, his experience. It's, it's his accomplishment. But, you know, for me to even get close to getting a little X behind my name, a little, right. a little one time, a little, maybe right. a little two time. It's just that um, it's so much bigger than I had thought about it when I was first as a freshman. You know, just I have so much respect for anybody who has competed at that level, let alone made a team. Right. Well, even just thinking about it, like realizing it. So Judd, when he was training for that Olympic trials in, in 2000, he's, he was then as how I'm 38. I just turned 38. And he, was, and he was training for his fourth Olympic games or trying yeah. to make the fourth Olympic games. Yeah. I, that's amazing. I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about it. So next month, so, or in May. And um, so he was, he was still training, training like a maniac when he was 40. Right. And I'm looking at my training right now. I'm like, uh, I'm getting my, my three, four days in at the weight room. I throw maybe once a week. That's about all I can handle, you know. <laughs> you your mobility in, right? Your power dots or whatever, your lacrosse ball, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, the training has changed in over these, you know, last ooh, 20 years, you know, so it's, it's different. It's just different. So, so you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. So 13, uh, 13-time All-American, what, what, what did that feel like? Like, you, you, you're a great shot putter. You, you held the D2 record for, I think, like 15 years in the shop, indoor shot put. Like, how, like, when you approached your going to nationals, like, was there, like, the first time did you feel like, wow, like, this is really cool? Or in the back of your mind, were you like, eh, you know, I'm seated, you know, half a centimeter or half a meter ahead, like, I should be good. Like, talk about, like, because you went so many times. Right. And you, and you, and you achieved a, I wish I would have gone once, you know, <laughs> at, least, at least I've taken kids there, which, I mean, that's kind of like part of it, but like you've gone so many times, was there like ever the first time you went, like, did you feel nervous? Was Judd like, oh, you know, Adrian, nervous every you know? time I compete, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter where I'm competing. You know, it's just every single time I compete. I'm, I can remember my freshman year, my um, retro, I guess freshman, um, going to nationals and indoor let's see i think that's the just or up the reggie lewis center in boston we do it there like almost every year mm-hmm. uh just walking in mm-hmm. and seeing these other teams and it was it was a little bit different because at most of our track meets we had we had squads of like 12 15 throwers and then all of a sudden we're down to like eight maybe it was only only seven qualified that year so i mean it just our squads were, were smaller it was the tight knit knit uh, group, and we all just kind of moved together. And uh, I can remember just feeling very secure with my my spot, you know, <laughs> walking in not knowing what to do, and but feeling confident that I'd done the work, and was just it was time to get paid, as Judd would say. You know, you you put in the work, and it's time to get paid. So um, sure, I was looking around and seeing how how efficient things were run, how things were set up, um, the flights, the, you know, at that time they hadn't done any like live streaming yet. <laughs> it was more or less just, you know, we you had your name up on a board. That was really cool. So um, it's, uh, gosh, that's how much has changed in the last 20 years. Uh, that, yeah, the nerves were there, but I'd, I'd, be, I'd be upset if I, didn't, I wasn't nervous. You know, I, I want to make sure the nerves are there because that meant that there's something important going on that I'm, really working for you know and you know it was it was 
good to have the upperclassmen there to say, okay, this is, this is what's going to do, what we're going to do. Make sure you have extra pair of socks. Make sure you bring an extra pair of whatever and always pack your, your competition uniform and shoes on your carry-on, you know, things that, you know, new athletes, young athletes may not know. So it was, I felt prepared, but it was really nice having everybody around us to, to help support you. Is there one, is there one national champion that's championship that sticks out more than others? Cause you won an array of events. It wasn't just, you, you know, you weren't just a great shot putter, right? You threw mm-hmm. really I, I did well. And, um, hammer was okay. Um, and discus was, was okay too. You know, I, I threw well, but you know, just, I had just the love for the shot, put. it just right. always, I, I knew how to feel that, uh, connection to the ball and, you know, regardless of how I threw that day, I'd be like, I, 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 I was most confident in the shot, but this right. um, was always hit or miss. Um, Hammer was always hit or miss. <laughs> I, I do believe that if I had spent a little bit more time in the hammer, you know, I, of course it would have gone a little farther, but I was happy being a shot player. That, that was my deal. Um, we won't talk about javelin because that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm very proud of, um, Edwardsville. Um, I believe that was my junior year because I actually got to throw on my birthday. Because I'm, I'm, my birthday is on May 24th, so my the nationals usually landed right around my birthday time. Right. But I, I turned 21 um, on the day I, I threw over 180 um, at at Edwardsville, and so that was my discus national record for D2, and so that was pretty cool. That was. That stands out just because it was a memorable day as well. But um, it was it was a great meet, and I won the shot put and the discus, and I think I got second behind Jackie in the hammer. So, it's not 20, 20 points. That's not bad. That's all right. Yeah. So, so, so you have this hall of points, meet after meet after meet, and then you know, it. I, I don't know because that's when I when I met you. It, for me, I just kind of I feel weird asking, but like, so that oh three oh four season. Right. So you're, you're preparing for the Olympic trials and I, and I still had that long and strong thrower's journal that uh, you sent. Oh my gosh. I don't know. That would have been maybe like an Oh, Oh six. So I have it autographed in my office, but like, I think about like when I first met you, like, can you talk about that? Like Oh three Oh four, like just, you know, life happens sometimes. Um, Let's see in the summer of Oh, well, the season of Oh three was my, last competitive season for NCAA. So um, that fall of 03 to 04 was going to be my year that, you know, I was finished. I think I finished um, fourth at USA's third or fourth at USA's in 2003. So I'm like, yeah. I just got to bump it up just a little bit. Top three for two, 2004, you know? And so the fall of 03, I just had to do my student teaching and I timed it up just right with my education that I just had to do student teaching in the fall and I'd graduate December. Right. Um, so I'd have nothing going on for the spring season. Right. And um, I would do my student teaching in the morning mm-hmm. and then go into um, training. Sometimes I had to train by myself in the evenings after, after teaching, or sometimes I can be able, um, meet up with the collegiates too. Mm-hmm. Man, things just weren't right. And I can remember being in the best shape of my life, but man, I mean, just the, the workouts were killer. And it wasn't anything different per se than um, previous years. It just was a little tougher. So the breathing was definitely a hard thing. Um, energy level was average at best. And I just, you know, attributed to being, oh, I'm at school all day long, teaching kids, you like, know, PE like, and health, you know, kind of thing. So that's definitely draining. Sure. Uh, which is probably why I never actually used my degree. <laughs> but, um, and sure enough, I, I decided just, you know, I, I had a couple nights where I would wake up and just have so much pressure on my chest that it felt like, you know, someone was sitting on me, just crushing me. Uh, and I just thought it was like an asthma attack or just fall time, maybe it was, you know, um, allergies of some sort. So I just went to the student health center and they sent me to the local hospital in Ashland just for a chest x-ray. And they said, you know, you probably should go get a CAT scan. And I'm like, I really think that's necessary. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> so I got the CAT scan. And sure enough, when the results came back, they said, you know what? 
there's a mass covering two thirds of your chest, you need to see a thoracic surgeon right now. We don't have any of those in Ashland. Um, your best bet is to go back home to your hometown or you know, go to a major hospital. And so that's when things were set in motion. I got an, um, a referral from my family doctor back home uh, to the, a doctor in the Cleveland Clinic. I uh, went to go see him. I mean, all this happens and I'm still trying to do my student teaching. So I'd do my student teaching in Ashland and then drive up north to, you know, wherever I was going to, to meet these doctors and see what's going on. You know, come to find out, yep, now uh, looks like without a biopsy, it, it looks like something's called Hodgkin's lymphoma. You fit the age range just barely. Um, and the placement is, you know, one of the, the typical places of having this mass and sure enough, it's cancer. So Fast forward to um, a couple of weeks later is when I actually, I, well, I had to have the biopsy to, to be sure. And that was just, I had a little incision in, in my neck and then another one on my um, left chest to get a good sample. Um, came back, Hodgkin's lymphoma. What's the plan? Um, I stuck with a, um, uh, well, my chemo doctor, <laughs> oncologist <laughs> um, in Youngstown in, in Boardman. And set up the plan. Okay. You have two options here. One is a three month chemo. It's highly intense. Um, it includes these different type of chemicals. Right. Um, one of them was highly detrimental to, to muscle tissue and soft tissue. I said, Nope, can't do it. Right. Um, the other one is six months. Um, it's not as bad on the body, but it's six months. What's your timeline look like? So, even though most people go into cancer treatment knowing this is your number one priority. Right. My priority was still the trials in 2004. Now I'm not really sure if that's how you should look at things, but that's exactly what I, I, had, I had blinders on. It was like, okay, well, you know, three months, it's going to destroy my muscle. Ah, that's, it's too hard to put that back in that amount of time. Six months, I can still train during, okay, um, let's do the six months. And that'll put me somewhere around before outdoor season. Okay, let's do it. And, you know, my mom's sitting next to me just shaking her head like, do you know what you're doing? And, you know, the doctors are, you know, looking at me side. I just like, you're not going to want to train. And I'm like, yep, that's all right. I'll, I'll figure it out. Right. You know, I, um, I'm, I'm still look back on, on you know, having these conversations with these professional medical people <laughs> and saying, well, you know what? Um, the Olympic trials is kind of like a thing. So uh, I, I, I'm going to do this. So they're like, rock on. All right. Well, we're going to let you do this. Just right. let you know this. These are my stipulations. I said, okay, I'll meet you every, every Monday, either for a chemo or for um, some blood work. We'll get it done. So I, uh, I spent one week in Boardman and the next week I spent in Ashland. I made sure to split my time. And I do believe that was a huge help for me just mentally sure. because I, I can remove myself from feeling so shitty with the chemo and being stuck. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure people are realizing what it's like now being quarantined. I was quarantined while I was home. My mom wouldn't let me go anywhere because my immune system was so compromised, you know, especially after chemo that, you know, I couldn't go to the movie theater. I, you know, we'd always get food at the house or she'd always cook, you know, that sort of stuff. But um, my time in Ashland, it was a huge weight was lifted off my head because I was just, I was in, I was with my people, you know, I was, I was, well, not really training all the time. The first three months I didn't train at all, but I was with my, my other family and they were, couldn't have been more supportive. They didn't push me to, to, you know, you're going to be great. You know, they're just like, all right, Adrian's here. Let's, um, what's your, what's your workout today? You know, it was, they created a sense of normalcy that I desperately needed uh, to just keep my eye on the prize and um, everything. I mean, they, were, they did some really amazing things for me and, and I, I really couldn't thank them enough for making me feel so special. And I was feeling so crummy and that I was still part of the team because that's, that's something that's going to be, you know, Oh, you have cancer. Yeah. You're probably not going to, be competitive. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was, I would say I was, I was competitive when it came around for the trials. I mean, I finished fifth um, with uh, an okay throw. You know, I wasn't anywhere near the IWF standard to even make the team, but to finish fifth after all that, I was, I was pretty okay with it. Because <laughs> I taught, I mean, I still try and like wrap my mind around this stuff, right? Like, 
if if I if I feel like because I have a garage gym and if I'm like oh my gosh I'm not gonna train right now or whatever like you like like seriously like all these like thoughts go in my head and I'm like you know you you train through cancer you qualified for the trials and you made and you finished fifth like <laughs> like it's so who does that <laughs> like, it just like boggles my mind like what like what what other type of like perseverance or I mean, because it sounded like you were how bad you were going to compete anyway. So, like, how? Because you know, people have read you know they've read your story about that. You know, like I said, the long and long and uh, strong throws journal and stuff. But like, when you sit down with Judd and you're like, okay, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna throw at the trials. Like, how? Like, what's that conversation like look like? Like, what? Like, I didn't really see another way around it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd I'd spent so much time and I had so much passion for what I was doing that. Okay, well shit all right well let's uh figure it out and and so judd sent me to see charles poliquin and i mean he used all his resources to make sure to to keep me on that path that all right so i won't see you for a week or maybe i'll see you for only you know six days here and there you know that and i mean he he was more positive than anybody about all right well this is what we're gonna do all right i see i see what you want to do right let me support you and my teammates all right, we see what you want to do. We support you. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of question as to, you know, my, my, my support system. So no, there, there wasn't another way around it. <laughs> right. After, after the trials, like, so you, when did you start first dabbling? Cause you threw in the, um, OA trials too, right? In the shot put? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when that was kind of my decline of my career. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I was just gonna say, like, how, like, you, you're, you're a great thrower, shot put, discus, hammer, weight, and then, like, how do you transition, start making the transition to Highland Games? Like, how, how does that come? Like, I don't want to fast. That was actually pretty easy. I just had to get out of my own head because I was so stuck on being a shot putter. I'm like, oh, right. Highland Games. I don't know. It's a game. It's just, it's silly fun and. Yeah, it is. But oh my gosh, it's so much fun. <laughs> so once I, I, I quit thinking like a shot putter and started thinking of like an all-around athlete, it was way different. Um, so Bert Soren was a, um, a hammer thrower at um, University of South Carolina, at Carolina and would occasionally get some, some coach tips from Judd as well. And um, he said, Adrian, you know, you should totally get in the Highland Games because he had been a pro for um, just a short amount of time. And uh, I said, I don't know. I mean, it's, it sounds like fun. And so I went to my first game, loved it. I just like, just as a, as a spectator. And I'm like, this is a lot of fun to watch now, let alone do it. <laughs> so I um, met up with a group in Arizona cause I lived in Arizona at the time with Andrew Hops and Summer Pierce and um, Ryan Sackman, uh, Mike Sussmark. I mean, they were, they were super welcoming and taught me the events. And so the fall of 08, so November of 08, I went down to Tucson and did my first Highland game. And it was such a blast. I had so much fun. The people were amazing. Um, so now I not only had just one event to worry about, I had nine. <laughs> and they're all a little bit different. Um, definitely more challenging. And it was a nice transition from training shot put full time because Right. still the same same type of training you still want to be an explosive and powerful athlete um but now you had d- different things to throw different techniques and um i was that uh, was nice to have something else to train for when i knew that shot put was probably not my thing anymore <laughs> you were training with summer down there she was she she did win a world championship right so you were oh yeah summer was summer was um she was the the girl to beat and um she had a number of world records i mean it's just and she was still training for the discus as well. So, I mean, right. she was also another track and field athlete that got into it. Um, another D2 girl, Mindy, I want to say, let's see, she was Mindy Lincoln when she was in Michigan. Well, she went to Saginaw, Saginaw Valley, and she coached up there too, but um, Mindy Pekoski now. Mm-hmm. And she was also just so much fun to throw with because she and her husband, Mike, were just technicians. And they were a lot of fun to watch because it was so clean and you could learn a lot from them. Um, I mean, that's that track and field background, you know, and so um, transition from throwing a shot put to Highland Games was very easy. It just, you could have a little bit more fun and then you sure. could 
you know, learn different events, but they still had this, this underlying seriousness to it <laughs> that, I, that I, I cling to. <laughs> Some days I am a little too technical when I throw and I just don't let it go, but you know, so it's fun. <laughs> so when did you, when you started throwing in the fall of 08, so like, when did you realize, wow, like I, I might be good at this too. I mean, right, like the transition. <laughs> when I actually had some real numbers and um, I had um, real cabers and, and real uprights to, to get some real numbers. Okay, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm competitive here. You know, I uh, was toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mindy and, and um, Summer and they've been doing it for a little bit and I wasn't, I wasn't far off. You know, I was, I did pretty well, but um, I qualify for our women's national or women's world championships um, that following March, or I guess it was February that year, and and got third. You know, so it was, it was kind of cool. You know, just like all right, rock on. This is this is neat. I like doing this. You know, um, so I mean, it was, it was it was fun, and I kept getting better. <laughs> just a little bit better, right? Just not a too little better. So just a little better. I ended up getting you know, five world championships and a couple of world records here and there that have been broken. So I need to get some of those back. Um, and I just, I, I can't get over the experience of the people I got to meet and train with, throw with, um, go out to dinner with afterwards and go sightseeing with. And, you know, I've been to Iceland and Germany and Scotland and, um, hopefully I get to see more countries on like Canada, of course, you know, but I've done more travel with the Highland games than I ever, ever did with track and field as far as international um, right. track and field. We can go to just any college at one point and, and compete, but Highland games, it's a little bit, a little more specialized. So you gotta, you gotta go, you get to go to some cool places. <laughs> when, but you're, you're still kind of training for Highland games, right? But you have, uh, maybe greater passions now, right? So why don't you talk a little bit about like now you've transitioned into, uh, cause I, you know, I see your post a lot about like adaptive coaching and, and working with, um, is it special forces or is, it, is that like kind of all under one? Well, I actually, I've been coaching just adapted sport and it really started with working for military. So I started um, on recommendation from Luke McKay. Thanks, Luke, uh, to coach Team Army for the Warrior Games. And the Warrior Games is like an adapted sports mini Olympics uh, for all the U.S. services. So all the U.S. services, um, U.S. services put their teams together and they compete in, you know, track and field and shooting, archery, rowing, swimming, um, seated volleyball, wheelchair basketball, that sort of stuff. And uh, we get to, as coaches, we're contracted to go to these camps, help select the team, coach them up, and then coach them at the big show. And the next step from Warrior Games is the Invictus team. Now, this one was started by Prince Harry, and it's Team USA. So all the services together compete against the Netherlands with um, UK, Australia, all these other countries. And so that's a little bit more of an international presence. Um, and uh, that actually led me to be um, invited to coach for, for Para, for, US, for Team USA and Paralympics. Um, so I've done a number of camps there and I coached in um, Lima, Peru this past year um, at the Parapans. So and it's, it's been super rewarding because I, I see these athletes kind of get that little light bulb when I say, okay, just take this little shot put and just, <laughs> just throw it. And it's, it's something they never thought they'd like or they, that they'd be successful in. And all of a sudden things get a little bit more dynamic, a little bit, a little faster and they kind of get it. And then that one, when they just really connect with the implement and just let it fly, it's a lot of fun to watch and, and to see them succeed and just say, I want to do more. I want to, I want to throw more. I want to lift more. I want to whatever. And you know, it's, it's different than if you have a high school kid who's just learning because they usually are, just doing their thing. But for some of these um, athletes who have been through some real trauma, um, some either it's, it's a health issue or if it's been that they've been blown up or they've been shot or whatever, totally different circumstance than a high school kid who just doesn't quite mature enough to do this. I mean, we have some, some, some serious, uh, just the mental fortitude of some of the athletes for the award games is just incredible. Um, and to connect with them on that level, of teaching them something new that maybe they're just so hell bent again. I want no, no, this isn't going to be for me. Right. And all of a sudden, it's it's totally for them. It's it's one thing that they're like, 
I want to go out and throw. I want to throw again. You know, it just it's it's fun to find that passion in somebody and and pull it out of them. Say, yes, you're you're good at this. This is gonna be fun. And and it is. So is there anything that you uh you've been able to apply to your coaching that you've taken from Ashland or any other like um mentors that you've had in the past? Like is is kind of, you know, pay it forward a bit. Well, I've been very fortunate to have um a number of coaches in my past that have been just incredibly supportive if it's just a phone call once in a while or if it's just their their delivery of you know criticism or you know it's, it's always building it's it's never a tear down thing and a lot of the times you know some of the athletes i work with it's it's always negative it's always you can't do this because of this well yeah it's gonna be tougher to do this let's try it this way so it's it's never the um point out all the bad things it's like well this is what's really good but let's work on this part because it's not transitioning well or whatever it is so um if it's been denise gorski if it was judd logan if it was charles Baldwin, you know you know <laughs> charles <laughs> um all these coaches have had their hand in, in helping me develop my interpersonal relationship with with the athlete and how i can communicate with them and sometimes with the adapted sport you have to really be conscious of, of the words you choose. Um, otherwise they'll just, they'll shut you down because it's, you're not on their wavelength. And you know, I've, I've never had the, the privilege to serve our military um, as a, as a soldier, but you know, I, I'm super grateful for our military and, and appreciate everything they do for us. But you know, this is my way to give back. And I want to show that respect to them when I speak to them that I, I don't understand anything they've been through but I appreciate them. So I want to make sure that when I speak to them that way, that they understand that. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely something I'm very mindful about <laughs> and be respectful. So with, so with that said, like when's your, I mean, we're going through this crazy, I don't know, like we're, we're, we're the same age. Like I never thought I'd experience anything like this before. We've been in our house for like two weeks. The kids are going nuts. Mm -hmm. Like how, how do you, um, or I mean, my question was going to be, how do you uh, like get the athletes prepared now, right? Because if, because you're in South Carolina, do you get to, do you train them there in South Carolina? Or well, so far, we were supposed to leave, um, at the end of April, we're supposed to go up to actually the Akron, let's see, the Football Hall of Fame up in Canton, um, and train a week for the Invictus team before we head to the Netherlands, which was postponed until next year. So um, I have a call tomorrow on Zoom, yes, <laughs> that I'm going to, we were going to try and figure out the best way to continue the training because we, we did everything remotely. Um, sure. We were supposed to come together at this camp and then just kind of fine tune everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to find a couple of online platforms I'm looking at to kind of get my information out there. And it's, it's tough when it comes to individual stuff because right. I'm not only working with 40 athletes there, I have, you know, currently, you know, 40 to 80 athletes for the army trying to pick the team for warrior games, which is kind of in the balance as well, but come here. You want to, hey. Wanna... hey, do you want to meet Adrian? No. Oh, mommy. <laughs> well, this is daddy's friend. Adrian. You want to say, hi? no, what is mommy? Need? No, we're busy. We're bu we got stuff. When are we going to put the sand in the house? After, after I finish talking to my friend, Adrian, we'll uh, figure out a way to get the sand from the sandbox in the house. Okay. Do you want to say hi? You sure? You want to sit on my lap? No? Okay. No. That's we'll get in a little bit, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so that, so we're, uh, so we're under this quarantine thing, right? So, uh, <laughs> so we took, um, so my office when I was working on my dissertation and stuff was in the basement. So like three weeks ago, we're like, ah, eh, we don't need the desk in the basement anymore. Let's, let's free it up. We got a rower, stuff like that. So now I'm doing all this stuff from from their up, so from their room. So that's our middle guy. So he's Dominic. He's gonna be five in May. Uh, May's a good month, right? Yay! Uh, yes. So uh, so every once in a while they'll like pop their head in, but he's not as um, talkative as our older one is. But he's he's I think he's gonna be the athlete, like more of the athlete. He likes going and he likes lifting, jumping on boxes, throwing I'm stuff. Painting your fingernails. Yeah. So we do that for our. Um, creative time during the week wow. right because we're on quarantine okay. so they're like daddy we're gonna paint your nails and i was like of course you don't say no <laughs> that's nice so, <laughs> gosh it's you know it's so interesting like we we were shut down up here like a couple weeks ago and they're like no you can't go out you can't do this stuff or whatever 
And by the way, you're going to homeschool your kids. So my wife, you know, and I, we're for, like, we're educators, right? So she, she works in a school. So we kind of have like a routine and things, but uh, on the weekends, they get like, we can't, like, there's nothing to do. Parks are closed. Like everything is. So we're trying to pull sand from the sandbox and bring it in the house just for <laughs> something else to do. But okay. uh, yeah. Right. But so, but you guys, walk here and there, you know, <laughs> we do, you know? well, I told them I, like anytime I'm going to talk to somebody, I'm like, you know, this is Adrian and, and I, and I pulled up some YouTube videos of you and I'm like, wow, daddy, she throws so far. It's so amazing. And I'm like, I know. So the, our oldest is like, you know her? I was like, yeah, I've talked to her a couple of times. <laughs> oh my gosh. She throws those stones so far. Cause they're all, they're into this Highland stuff. Like they see me um, walking in the street with like dumbbells and kettlebells and I have a sled and they sit on the sled and, and it's like, it's so totally different pulling a sled with weight as opposed to like two, two kids that add up to like 110 pounds. It's like, it's not dead barbell weight, right? Like it's like they're moving. <laughs> place, but uh, no, they dig it. They like that stuff. Um, I'm sorry you were interrupted about, you know, you're on your zoom call t- tomorrow. Oh, I don't know. Well, I'm, I just, I'm, you know, I, I don't understand what it'd be like with, with you guys because I, I still have a little bit more freedom down here in the South. Um, they haven't completely shut everything down. Um, it's almost there. Um, I'm surprised how long it's taking them for to, to shut everything down. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not working. So I, I chose not to work this time at this time because, uh, just going to do my part and just right. work with people remotely. Um, it's been, it's been really challenging just sure. to kind well, of, you're very you know, so like, I'll go in person. Like, how are you going to sit in your house for like, not do anything? I think I'm a secret introvert though, because I've been really liking the quiet and <laughs> just not doing anything for a bit. <laughs> um, but um, even just like writing home programs for people, I, I keep looking at it like, ah, like they don't have a barbell. Um, how am I going to load this? And is it going to even be tough? And I, I try to, it, it's it's just so challenging because I don't want to dumb it down too much, but I want that to feel like I'm actually putting effort into what they're doing instead of saying air squats, right. push-ups. You know, no, there's there's so much more you can do. So um, just yesterday, I made up a video of some like torso exercises that I do for my hip therapy and back therapy that you know I think a lot of people would like. So I sent that out, and I got a lot of nice responses from that because it's it's way different than you know what they would normally get. Just boring, boring, boring. Um, and so this is uh, really making me think as a professional and how to train people. So the last thing I have before, because I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So, so you, you alluded it to it earlier, right? So we're like kind of like the same age. So like when you, when you like think back at your time at Ashland and the, and the 04 trials and the 08 trials, like what advice do you have for, someone you know 22 23 that's like you know what i graduated i'm kind of like d3 national champion like i was all american a bunch of times at d2 Uh, what like what advice do you have for you know 21 you know the olympics are going to be next year now right so you have like 18 months left like what do you say to someone that's like adrian what you know what do i do i want to i want to throw i want to try and make the trials but you know, people are pushing me to go to grad school. Like, what what advice would you have? Just go for it. You know, I mean, we never knew this would happen to us. I mean, right. who knows what will happen next year? You know, if if right. if this person has the means to to train, right. um, has some type of support system, because that's huge. Um, right. If it's within the the coach or like a, a family member or, or spouse or whatever. Um, the support system is pretty important too. I know when I, when I decided to move to Arizona by myself to go train full time, it was really tough out there for the first, you know, six months. I hated it. You know, I, I didn't have a support system. I you know, could call my mom or I could call Judd anytime, but it was different. So, um, but I don't regret any of my training, you know, post-collegiately um, looking back. I mean, I, I had a, a decently success, successful career post-collegiately, but you know, I didn't quite hit my goal and I'm not upset about it. You know, I, I, I love every experience I had leading up to that point of when I, you know, switched gears, but, um, for that person, just, just go for it. it it's, you, you kind of have, you know, 18 more months to kind of 
figure it out, you know, and, and this is kind of, you know, setting you up for, for success. Now, now for the athletes who thought this might be their last year and you're like, gosh, I don't know if I can hold it out another 18 months. Right. You know, I, 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 I've been there too, but uh, I thought, well, in 2000, um, I guess it was 12. Yeah. Yeah. Still went for it. 16. Definitely no, definitely no. (laughs) But you know, for the athlete who may not have that extra 18 months, Mm -hmm. you know, contribute another way, you know, maybe get into more coaching, maybe, you know, still have your hand on the sport um, in a way that you feel that you're contributing. Um, But for the athlete who's kind of on, on the edge of, well, you know, I'm still young enough, but dot, 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 you know, just, just go for it. You never, you, you don't want to look back and say, well, actually I, I should have done that. You know, I, I'd, I'd rather try and fail <laughs> than, than not try because, you know, I, I don't even like the same word try because I, I always work towards a goal, you know, uh, whether or not I achieve it you know, right. happens, but you know, I'm never just going to think, well, I'll just, I'll just try it. No, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it, <laughs> which is probably why I, I take advantage of a lot of opportunities. So, you know, that's good. Well, you know, I, I wish I could top that, but I, I definitely cannot. Cause I, I, well, like I, any of the kids that I've coached, like Lewis and even Julia Fredonia, whether like on the, on the borderline, you know, you know, 2045 for a D three thrower, like that's, you know, that's pretty good in the weight. Well, what do I do coach? I'm like, I, I, I would keep going. Cause I don't, you know, I, I, it, it, it pains me to say it sometimes, but I, I kind of feel like that. Like you wake up one morning and you're like, you know what? should have gone should have gone to california or darn i it's i still have enough time to go to grad school at ashland and get another master's degree like who cares <laughs> in school forever you know, you're like what the right right, right? <laughs> yeah, i'm kind of at that point now with my career because i'm i'm going to be turning 40 and i had a little bit of a back issue recently that's reminding me i'm turning 40 and so i'm i'm at that funky point where well i can kind of back off my training and just coach a little bit more and maybe that's how I can kind of find my balance but you know who knows if in you know five years ten years maybe I'll be doing something completely different maybe I'll be doing competitive shooting or something I don't know <laughs> golf, golf right do you still golf? oh yeah like golf? maybe I'll do some more championships that'd be good golf championship. sure yeah. what well, Adrian thank you so much for your time today I, I, I can't thank you thanks Charles thanks take care okay thanks <laughs>